This is the Veritable Veteran Podcast, bringing truth and exposure to the struggles veterans and their families face post-military. Depression. Anger. PTSD. Suicide. Who am I? What do I do now? Hey guys, and welcome to episode two of the Veritable Veteran Podcast. So last time we talked about uh, just my experience of joining the military, my time in the military, and kind of the things I went through a little bit uh, mentally. And one of the biggest issues that I talked about uh, and what I said that I really struggled with and it boiled down to when I got out of the military was struggling with my identity because my identity was wrapped up in being a Marine and being in the military. And when I got out, that was gone and it left a very large vacuum in my mind of what am I supposed to do and who am I? So looking back on my time in the military, it shouldn't have been a surprise to me that I was going to to struggle with that because even before I joined the military, I didn't know really who I was. I knew, you know, I was a, I was a Christian. I loved soccer. I wanted to be a Marine, but I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted to do with my life. When I first joined the Marine Corps, my best friend joined at the same time. He joined before I did and I joined and we ended up going on the buddy system and all that stuff. But he had enlisted to be in the infantry with a specialization in presidential security. That was his primary pathway. His MOS was going to be infantry, but he was going to go to do presidential security first. And I was like, man, that sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. And I went to the recruiter and I talked to him. I said, I want to do infantry. Uh, I took the ASVAB. I got a high score. They were like, well, you know, you could really do anything you want. And I was like, well, I'd really like to do infantry. And then they came to my house to talk to my parents and talk to me in front of them. And I chickened out in front of my parents. In front of my parents, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do something with helicopters or something that, you know, where I'm not going to be getting shot at or, you know, basically I tried to sugarcoat it for my parents because I was really nervous. So I talked to the recruiters and they said, yeah, well, what you can do is you can go in as a aviation support option, which is aviation ordnance crash, fire, and rescue, and then I think there was something else. But uh, they said you can join as an aviation support option, and then you can change in boot camp when they come around to do the testing for the presidential security. You can just jump up and say, I want to do that, and then they'll take you, and if you pass, then you can go ahead and do that, and then you'll finish out your uh, enlistment as infantry. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, I get the best of all the worlds because I can tell my parents that I'm not going to do this, but then I can do it when they're not looking. Right. So that was my plan. Anybody who has been in any contact with a recruiter, uh, knows that they're not always truthful. Some of them straight up lie. I don't know if that's what happened here. Not saying they lied to me. Maybe they didn't understand either way. It did not work out that way. So I get to boot camp, and they come around to do the presidential security and they call out all these names and they leave. And I'm like, I thought they were going to ask for volunteers. That didn't happen. They didn't ask for volunteers because you had to have an infantry MOS as your primary 
to even be able to qualify to start the process to see if you're qualified to be presidential security. So that was big hit number one to my uh, motivation to do what I was doing because I was like, well, great. Now my purpose for enlisting is not what I wanted it to be. So graduate boot camp, go to my MOS school, and I find out I'm going to be an aviation ordinanceman. And I'm like, great. Now I'm going to be loading bombs on planes and sitting on an airfield all day when I really wanted to be infantry. So since I didn't get the job I wanted, I started struggling mentally with, you know, who am I? And I was unfulfilled. I was extremely unfulfilled with the job that I had. And that was really difficult because I didn't want to be where I was. And because I didn't want to be there, I just, I struggled mentally just about every day because I was like, man, I wanted to be a Marine. I wanted to be this hard charging warfighter. And now here I am learning how to wire electronics and hang missiles and bombs on planes. And we had to go through a basic electrician course and all these other things. And I was like, this, none of this is what I want to do. None of it. So I was really upset. Uh, and that just kind of put me in a bad place mentally during my first couple of years in the military. So while doing the aviation ordinance gig, I got sent to a, a unit. And while I was there, they got a request for augments to go to a LAD battalion, low altitude air defense. So stinger guys. Stinger guys are the closest thing you can get to infantry without being infantry. They're basically grunts that carry stinger missiles. Uh, but they're still not considered infantry because they're usually attached to an aviation squadron or usually they'll go in uh, and I could be wrong. Someone will probably correct me. Uh, I believe they attach to something like a Mew or a regimental combat team and but they're still considered on the aviation side, which I don't know why, because if you ask any of them, they will tell you they're they're grunts with stinger missiles. So anyway, I got attached to I volunteered. And I got attached to 2nd Lab Battalion, and we were deploying to Iraq in 2008. So I was super excited. I was like, yes, I finally get to do what I want. This is going to be awesome. And we deployed, and we were at uh, Al-Takadam Air Base, and we guarded the gates, and we stood in the towers, and that was really it. We didn't do a whole ton of stuff. I mean, it was still... Things were still kinetic over there, but not really for us. We just kind of guarded the gate and guarded the base. The insurgents really didn't want to try and attack the air bases because they had they had enough targets to fight out in town, out in Ramadi and uh, Fallujah and all the other places where they had these other bases that were occupied by Marines and soldiers. So they really weren't concerned with trying to attack the air bases. So it was a good deployment, a really good experience for me. Uh, it was less exciting than I thought it was going to be. So I was, again, because I was looking for fulfillment in what I was doing and the position I was in, I was, again, I was pretty disappointed. I was like, well, great. I never even got to see any combat. Uh, I was in a combat zone, but I didn't see combat. I didn't shoot at anybody. They didn't shoot at me. There was a couple times we had some stuff where we thought we were getting shot at and it turns out we weren't. Uh, so anyway, uh, got home, went back into aviation ordinance and immediately got back into that sad mental state of, I hate what I'm doing, so I'm going to be miserable. And I was miserable. So I started working on putting together a package to go either into recon or MARSOC. Uh, so I started working on trying to get into some form of special operations. Throughout my time doing that, I met my future wife, which was awesome. Uh, and I am 
eternally grateful that I did not get into MARSOC because I would have missed my opportunity to be uh, where I am now with my wife and my family that I have. But at the time when the MARSOC package started to fall apart because of an injury, which in the grand scheme of things, the injury allowed me to be present for when my wife was in the area. Had I not gotten injured, I probably wouldn't have been there. So the injury that I got training for MARSOC kept me from getting into MARSOC, but it allowed me to meet my wife and get married and have this amazing life that I get to live now every day with my wife and kids. So at the time, I was really upset. I was really mad that I didn't get into MARSOC. Then I tried recon. That didn't really work out. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons, career planners and just manpower and stuff. And basically, I had a better chance of just laterally moving into straight leg infantry. 0311, just re-enlist and use that uh, as my enlistment incentive to laterally move into the infantry, which I did. So I met my wife and while I was preparing for Marsong. And we had a whirlwind uh, dating relationship. We were we started dating in August. We were engaged in November, and we were married in December. So it was quick, all of the same year. So again, it was super fast. And another part of my what I felt was my lack of fulfillment was I did not have a girlfriend. I did not have a wife. I didn't have a family, and it was just it really ate at me all the time. And I was just desperate for that aspect of my life to to happen now. Which thankfully, and again, I all credit to God on this because our relationship was whirlwind is putting it mildly, but I knew that I wanted to spend my life with her and I didn't want to wait. So we went and we got married at the same time we got married and we got married in December and I was laterally moving into the infantry that happened in March of the next year. And I started my basic rifleman course in that March. So I was like, man, I got married. I've got a new job coming, like the job I want. Life is great. I'm finally feeling fulfilled. So as a, an E4 corporal, I uh, lat moved into the infantry. Went to the basic infantry rifleman's course. Uh, and I was like, finally, I got out of the ordnance side, the aviation side. I'm on the infantry side. Finally, I can do what I want. And mentally, I started off on a really big high. Started off as high as you could get and just really excited about all the opportunities I was going to have in the infantry. And I was finally going to get to deploy and hopefully see combat and then I would be fulfilled and I would, I would just love my life. Uh, spoiler alert, it didn't happen. As far as being fulfilled, I did deploy. I did see combat. I did get to do those things that I wanted to but it did not fulfill me the way that I thought it would because I was looking for fulfillment in the wrong areas. I was looking for fulfillment in the position I had or the promotion that I was trying to get to or the, the next milestone. When I get here, I'll be happy. When I get this, I'll be happy. When I get to do this, I'll be happy. And every time I reached one of those milestones, it wasn't enough. And I wasn't happy. I began to realize I was chasing something I could never catch. It was like going after a mirage. 
you see it in your mind, you're running to it, and right as you're about to grab it, it turns out it's just a pile of sand and it was all in your head. And you're like, wait, I thought I was so close. It was right here. And then you look up and you see another one and you're like, oh, well, it, there it is. It just moved up there. And you get up and you take off after it again. You're running, you're running, you're working hard. You're like, oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then you dive into it and it's a pile of sand again. And this just continues forever until you start to realize what you're looking at is a mirage. It is not true fulfillment. You have to get to a point when you realize it's not there. It's not real. It's only in your head. And you think that if I reach that point, I'll be happy. I'll finally get fulfillment. And it's not true. So I get back from deployment. I get home. Obviously, I'm on the high of getting home and having survived you know, deployment and all these things. And the fulfillment of doing those things and reaching that position, it started to fade. And in my mind, I was like, well, I've done these things now. Why am I not feeling like I've, I've made it? So move into a new job. I became an instructor uh, at the infantry school. I'm there teaching these guys, you know, the stuff that I've learned and the stuff I was still learning. Uh, I was extremely busy. I was working 12 hour days you know, sometimes five, six, you know, sometimes seven days a week. It, it was, it was a, it's a tough gig working as a combat instructor. Uh, anybody who's done it knows, uh, B billets are, they're rough recruiting combat instructor, drill instructor. They're, they're time consuming and they're hard on your families. So fast forward to when I got promoted to uh, staff sergeant, I got promoted to sergeant while I was deployed the first or the second time got promoted to uh, staff sergeant near the end of my tour of my B-billet. And I get sent out to a new unit in 29 Palms, California. Yay. So I actually liked it out there, 29 Palms. I thought it was it was beautiful. I love the desert. Um, it was super hot, but it was, I liked it. I really did. I liked the people. I liked the, the scenery. I did not like the state of California. I did not like some of the uh, civilians in the area. It was just it was weird. But anyway, I liked 29 Palms. Loved my unit. Loved my platoon. Got to serve as a platoon leader, uh, as a you know, as a staff sergeant. Worked under a great platoon commander, and we had a great deployment. To, uh, it was to Iraq and Kuwait during the, the initial ISIS kind of uprising. So had a really good uh, experience out there in 29 Palms. And I started... The experience with the unit was good. The, the guys in the unit, the command was a little, it had uh, left a little to be desired. Uh, and again, guys that were in my command are going to probably listen to this at some point. And they're going to think, really? To me? If you're listening to this and you're wondering if it was you, it wasn't you. It was one person that kind of added to the stress I was already under in my life because I was really feeling the strain of being gone all the time from my wife and my then four kids. And I was really struggling with if I wanted to continue being a Marine. So when this individual caused me a lot of grief, just because I was already under stress, it just made it that much worse. So again, it wasn't like he was the only person that was ever, you know, uh, had leadership traits that I didn't agree with or anything. It was just, he happened to be the one at that time. Anyway, we made the decision to get out, which I talked about in the last episode my plans didn't really work out when I first got out. 
And when we went to get out of the military, I really was struggling with, wait, this has been my identity. Whether I've really liked it or not, my identity was I'm a Marine. And as the time was approaching for me to get out, I started realizing, what am I going to like? What, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? I'm not going to be a Marine anymore. So what am I going to be? And I really struggled. That's when I really started getting into uh, abusing alcohol heavily. And that was really just to, to numb the pain, to numb the confusion. Because if I could just forget about it, I didn't have to worry about it. So that was my, my coping mechanism, unfortunately, was alcohol and just isolation. I just isolated from everybody. Got out of the military got the job selling insurance and I like I said hated it did not enjoy it at all had no fulfillment in it and that was around the time that that sergeant major killed himself and I started really realizing I wanted to find a way to help veterans that were dealing with the same kinds of thoughts and struggles that I was and during that time I, we had another kid so I had five kids now and I really started leaning into this ministry of helping veterans and trying to really minister and just really step into helping veterans in, in different ways that I that I could find. So started doing that and I was a stay-at-home dad going to school. I quit my insurance job. So I was at home taking care of the baby and going to school. There was very little fulfillment in what I was doing as far as I, it wasn't exciting, it wasn't glamorous. And I was not fulfilled by doing that because I really wanted this glamorous, exciting lifestyle that I just, I didn't have. And God really started working in my heart and telling me, this is where I need you. This is where I want you. This is where I have you for a reason. And he really started to get through to me as far as telling me, it's not the job you have. It's not... The position you hold. It's not what you do that's defining you, that, that really defines you or fulfills you. And I was like, yeah, but that's where I've always gotten my fulfillment from. So what am I supposed to get fulfillment from if it's not from being a Marine or, you know, my job? If, if I don't like my job, what am I supposed to do? And God kept just working in me and telling me the fulfillment should come from who you're serving. And at that time, I was serving my family by being home. I was working to get a degree so I could pursue the ministry and the, the, the position that I wanted. And God was telling me, you've got to wait and be content where I have you. Because you're not always going to have the most glamorous job. You're not always going to have this amazing, exciting position where you're doing all these things that just you can tell these awesome stories about. I was at home feeding a baby, changing diapers, putting her down for a nap, doing school. She'd wake up and I'd change her, feed her, hold her, play with her a little bit, put her down for a nap, do school. Kids would come home and I would make dinner because my wife was working. I would make dinner. I'd clean up. I'd clean the house, put the kids to bed, and then I'd wake up and do it all over again. There wasn't a whole lot of glamour in it at all. But I began to realize my relationship with my kids was improving because I was, I was home and I was able to be present. And I started really leaning into my relationship with my wife and realizing I'm home now. I can be here and be present for my family and be here with my wife. 
and things started to really uh, kind of improve mentally because it didn't matter what I was doing. It mattered who I was with and who I was serving. I was serving my family. And no matter what job I had, that's what I was going to do. So fast forward a couple of years and I decided I wanted to go and get a job as a police officer. And I did. I, I joined the police department. I went to the police academy and I got the job where I'm currently at now. And in that time, uh, we also, we had a baby. We had another baby. So baby number six. So we have six kids and uh, a very full house. I'm doing the, the job as a policeman. And I was, I was sitting there one day and I'm thinking, man, I'm just, you know, every job you have, there's, there's ups and downs, there's good things, there's bad things, there's good days, bad days, there's things you love, things you hate. No matter how much you actually love the job one day, there's going to be a day when you don't like it. And I was in one of those days where I just didn't like it. And I was kind of sitting there in my patrol car and I'm like, golly, I'm just tired of doing this. And I hadn't even been doing it that long. It was just, if you've been a police officer, you know, there's days when you deal with people and you just don't really want to do it anymore. And I was sitting there thinking, man, I just don't want to do this right now. And I felt this, you know, voice in the back of my head. And I know that's God. I know it's the Holy Spirit prompting me. And he's telling me, I have you here for a reason. I have you here for this specific time. It may not be a permanent thing. It may be a, a temporary thing. It may be a long-term temporary thing where I'm here for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And then, you know, I go do something else. But I started realizing I wasn't unfulfilled, even though I wasn't enjoying the job as much. Because my fulfillment came from serving my family and from serving veterans. So if I went and got a job selling insurance now, my mindset would be completely different because my goal is not to get fulfillment from my job. I'm already fulfilled because I serve my family and I serve veterans. And I know that no matter what I do, what position I have, where I move to, anything, what house I'm living in, what lifestyle I have, how much money I make, none of that matters because even if all of that changes, I can still serve my family, I can still serve veterans, and I will still be where God wants me to be. And that is where I get my fulfillment from. Not from being a Marine, not from getting that promotion, getting that job, getting that pay raise, making a million dollars, living in this big fancy house, finally buying the car that I want. No. Because if you do that, and that's where you get your fulfillment from, you will never be satisfied and you will never be fulfilled. And a lot of veterans, when they get out of the military, they realize their identity was in the military. And that's when they really start struggling with what they need, what they want to do, and what they're going to do in the future. And that's when things kind of start to look hopeless because they, they turn to coping mechanisms like alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. And they isolate and they, they have this toxic behavior that they engage in and they don't want to go back in the military usually some guys do a lot of a lot of veterans end up going back in but a lot of guys don't and they they just sit there and think well I can't go back so what am what am I going to do and then it starts to feel hopeless and they start to go down this path of I don't know what to do I'm scared but I can't be scared because that's weakness and weakness is bad 
and I need to figure something out. Um, and, and I can't talk to anyone because I mean, I'm a veteran. I'm, I'm tough. I'm, I'm, I'm the man that people come to when they have problems. I don't go to people with my problems. I don't have problems. They start stuffing all the emotions deeper and deeper and deeper into their subconscious. And they just keep hiding them and keep hiding them and keep hiding them until one day they finally just explode. And that explosion may lead to suicide. It may lead to self-harm. It may lead to hitting rock bottom and making some terrible decisions that affect you for the rest of your life. But if we can stop trying to find our identity in the things that we do and the positions we hold, the money we make, and the possessions we have, we can really start working on getting our mindset right, being content with where we are, being content with what we have, having gratitude for the things that we have in this life. And then we start to realize, man, I have it pretty good. And I need to focus on the good things that I've been blessed with. And I need to focus on who can I serve and how can I serve them? And when you get to that point, you'll start to realize that's where you find fulfillment. That's when you can truly be fulfilled. I love you guys. I hope this helps. Just what I went through and I hope that it can help somebody who's going through something similar or hopefully they can listen to this and get uh, some some plans in place before they have to go through it. And that's the ultimate goal is you guys can learn from my experience and the experience of others and maybe avoid going through the same stuff we've gone through. So this is the end of episode two. Uh, the next couple episodes, I'm going to try and get some interviews in. I'm going to interview some veterans from all different branches, all different lengths of service, all different walks of life. Uh, and we're going to we're going to talk to some really cool people. I'm really excited about these interviews. It's going to be really neat to hear other people's perspectives. Uh, so I hope you guys you know stick around, like and subscribe and uh, just stay with us cuz it's going to get really interesting when we start getting to talk to other people and getting their perspectives as well. All right. Love you guys. Hey guys, quick reminder, if you enjoyed the episode today, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, go to whatever platform you listen to these podcasts on and leave a review. That's the best way to help us out. Uh, it gets a lot more traffic to us. So again, if you liked it, like, subscribe, and uh, leave a review. All right, love you guys.